From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Guardian of the Fatherless. The text is Hosea 14 and verse 3. In thee the fatherless find mercy. This is an excellent reason for casting away all other confidences and relying upon the Lord alone. When a child is left without its natural protector, our God steps in and becomes his guardian. So also, when a man has lost every object of dependence, he may cast himself upon the living God and find in him all that he needs. Orphans are cast upon the fatherhood of God, and he provides for them. The writer of these pages knows what it is to hang on the bare arm of God, and he bears his willing witness that no trust is so well warranted by facts or so sure to be rewarded by results as trust in the invisible but ever-living God. Some children who have fathers are not much the better off because of them, but the fatherless with God are rich. Better have God and no other friend than all the patrons on the earth and no God. To be bereaved of the creature is painful, but so long as the Lord remains the fountain of mercy to us, we are not truly orphaned. Let fatherless children plead the gracious word for today, and let all who have been bereaved of visible support do the same. Lord, let me find mercy in Thee. The more needy and helpless I am, the more confidently do I appeal to Thy loving hearts. Oh, Lord. 
In these days when the forces of evil are devastating our land, God's people need to pray. More than that, we must engage in united prayer. Just as the apostles and the early church were of one accord gathering for prayer, the cry for our day must be, Let us pray. To encourage the Lord's people to this end, let the Bible speak is pleased to offer a publication entitled, The Case for United Prayer. Presented within its pages are excerpts from the works of Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Pastor Richard Cross. The centerpiece of the book is Samuel Prime's first-hand account of the famous New York City prayer meetings of 1857, begun by one man, Jeremiah Lamphere. This simple effort was blessed by God until prayer meetings sprang up all over the nation and ushered in a mighty revival that spread across the sea to Great Britain, culminating in the great 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. To obtain your copy of The Case for United Prayer free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail... Simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Case for United Prayer.
This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit as he brings the opening portion of a message called The Filling of the Spirit. The text is Ephesians 5, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul wrote, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In introducing the message, Dr. Cairns points out two lines of teaching regarding this subject as it is treated in the Bible. There is a sudden empowering of the Spirit for a particular act of service. Then there is the consistent fullness of the Spirit, which is to be manifested in the day-to-day living of God's people. It is this second emphasis which will form the focus of this message. Now, Dr. Cairns introduces this message, The Filling of the Spirit. This morning I want us to turn to the very famous words of Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, the 18th verse, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The New Testament Scriptures go to great lengths to emphasize the fact that there is great fullness in the Christian life. As you read your New Testament, you will discover that there is no good or valid reason why a child of God should be living an empty or frustrated or powerless spiritual life. Rather, it is God's will very clearly set forth here uh, that the people of God should live lives that are pulsating with the power of vital godliness. This revealed will of God can be seen from cover to cover in Scripture. As God's people are depicted here, they are set forth as a people who enjoy the fullness of Christ. Back in the Old Testament Scriptures, when the Lord led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and uh, toward the land of promise, He gave them a description of the land to which he had called them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 to 9, he says, The Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And he goes on to talk about them eating, and their heart being full. Now, when God brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, it was not with the purpose that they should live forever in a wilderness. It was not that they should go into an inferior experience 
than they had had in Egypt's bondage. It was rather that he should bring them into a land in which they would be satisfied to the full. A land in which they would enjoy the rich provision of their God. It was never God's purpose in bringing Israel out of Egypt that they should live in some condition of perpetual defeat, perpetual frustration, and that galling emptiness that so many people, even professing the name of Christ, continually experience. The New Testament parallel is very, very clear. We have been redeemed out of Egypt's bondage, out of what the Scriptures call the iron furnace. We have been brought out of that awful grip of sin into the liberty of the sons of God. Redeemed by precious blood, we are brought out of the land of condemnation, the land of satanic oppression, and we are brought into a new land, a land that veritably flows with milk and with honey, the land of spiritual fullness. And it is never the will of God that people redeemed out of the land of bondage should feel to enjoy all the richness, all the fullness, all the fatness of the land of saving grace. And therefore, when we turn through the New Testament Scriptures, we find that the Bible speaks of fullness in the Christian life in various ways. For instance, it speaks of the fullness of our position in Christ. Colossians 2 and verse 10 is a most significant verse. Verse 9, as those of you who heard Mr. McClellan preach when he was down here, is one of the deepest verses in Scripture. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ all the communicated fullness of God dwells. Now verse 10 says, And ye are complete in Him. That's a wonderful statement. And I have no doubt it gets to the heart of the verse. But unfortunately it obscures uh, the full play on the words that Paul was making. He says, In Him dwells all the fullness. And ye are full or filled full in Him. A word that's very, very similar. Just a verbal form of the word that he used when he says, In Christ dwells fullness. So you are filled full in Him. And he goes on to explain what he means by that. When a man is in Christ, he is vitally one with Christ. And in union with Jesus Christ, he has the fullness of God's salvation. God's salvation is not an inferior little blessing. God's salvation is not getting a new dimension to an old life that so many people would uh, paint it as today. God's salvation is bringing a sinner out of darkness into light, out of death into light, out of condemnation into justification, out of pollution into purity, from a child of wrath to a child of God. It 
changes everything about that man legally, morally, personally, spiritually, and eternally. We are filled full in Jesus Christ. It does God's people good to take their Bible and dwell much on the position they have in Christ. Not until you get a grasp of that will you ever get a grasp of anything as you should in spiritual experience. But there's another fullness. Hebrews 10.22 speaks of the fullness of our persuasion of that position in Christ. For it speaks of our full assurance of theists. There is a full assurance There is that mighty witness of the Holy Spirit of God within the heart of the believer whereby he overwhelms him, not with evidences of his conversion. Oh, he does give those, but that's not what would give full assurance. He he does not overwhelm him with evidences merely of his conversion. He just overwhelms him with Christ and persuades him that he is in Christ. A man uh, does not understand how the sun shines and how its rays bring such sweetness, life and light into his soul. But he enjoys the sun and its sunlight nonetheless when the Holy Spirit of God beams fullness of assurance in a man's heart. Thank God he may not understand the deep theology of how the Spirit of God does it, but he knows that he does it. There is a fullness of assurance. And it's a million miles away from the carnal presumption that so many empty professors of religion make. Oh, I made a decision. I'm safe for all eternity. And they live like the devil. And unless they get saved, they'll live with the devil for eternity. But when a man gets saved, God's Spirit bears witness And he has life, eternal life, security, and eternal security. And he knows it. There's no joy to compare with the joy that the Spirit gives when he shows you Christ as your Savior. There's a fullness of assurance. And then there is a fullness of power to practice the fullness that we have in Christ, to live up to that fullness. Now, this fullness of power is really the fullness of the Spirit of God. I have pondered long and hard about how best to deal with the fullness of the Spirit of God in these messages. It's very difficult just because it's such a vast, vast subject. As I read the Bible, I find, took me a long time to come to the understanding of this, but I find that there are two very distinct lines of thought about the fullness of the Spirit. Now, they are closely related lines of thought, but nonetheless, they are distinct. When I got down to a close analysis of the New Testament, I found that there were texts of Scripture in which there is an emphasis upon a sudden, single, or better self-contained act of the Spirit of God 
usually with power and boldness in a critical situation for the service of the Lord. I am not going into detail on those verses today. I will in due course. But there are scriptures. You'll find them. Acts 2 and 4 is one of them. And again at Acts 4.31. You'll find that the construction of the language is that the Spirit of God came suddenly in a critical moment in a single self-contained act and He filled people giving them boldness and power to do the work of God that was to hand. Now there's that line of study through the Scriptures on the fullness of the Spirit. But then there's a completely different, though very closely related, line through the Scriptures. Because there are various Scriptures which emphasize that there is a constant condition of Christians living consistently full of the Spirit of God. And though the words are very close, and obviously the ideas are related, nonetheless, we need to mark the difference. You see, there are an awful lot of Christians, and they're running around, and they think that uh, if they do this and do that, and they have this tarrying meeting, and they uh, take this step of faith, that they will get such an expression of the power of God that will suddenly make them great soul winners, great evangelists. Now, I do believe that there's power for every Christian to witness and work for God. And uh, probably next Sunday morning I'll be going into that in some more detail. But when the Bible says, Be filled with the Spirit, it is not speaking of that sudden impulse of power. It is speaking of a continual dwelling in the fullness of Christ as the Spirit enables and as the Spirit directs. Be ye filled with the Spirit. It doesn't sound very good to say, Be ye being continually filled with the Spirit. But that is the actual force of the words as Paul gives them here. So today I want us to look at Ephesians 5 and 18. And I want us to consider the very simple fact that Christians can and should live lives that are continually under the direction of the Spirit of God. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. 
Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 